Welcome. Thanks for watching and listening to the Shop Notes podcast. I'm Phil from Shop Notes, joined by Logan and John from Popular Woodworking and Woodsmith, respectively. This is episode number 165 today. We're going to give a couple of reader comments from last episode. We'll talk about uh, shop updates and a little bit of what's been going on here at Woodsmith and Popular Woodworking over the last week here. Thanks for joining us and hope you enjoy today's show. Want to say thank you to Tightbond. You want a glue that you can trust and fortunately Tightbond has the glue you need to get the job done with confidence. From interior glues with strong initial tack and short clamp time to exterior glues with exceptional strength and water resistance. Look to Tightbond, the right glue for your next project. For more information, visit tightbond.com. All right. And in a first, this is the first official podcast with Logan in his new shop. That's right. We ghetto hooked up the internet last night. I'm basically <laughs> running a line to the telephone wires outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like two <laughs> little alligator clips. Just <laughs> Yeah. I had to, I drilled a hole through the house, which is really weird to do. Yeah. Ran my line from the shop. I'm I plan on burying it. I just it, right now it's stretched out across the ground <laughs> into the shop or into the house. And I unplugged a. Uh, we have a couple security cameras in the house, and the one in the backyard doesn't really see anything except deer and turkey and my dogs. Me chasing my dogs in my underwear and stuff. So it's like we'll unplug that one and plug the internet for the shop into there. So yeah, so we got internet guy. TV in here. I can watch. I can watch the Shop Notes podcast on my TV in the shop, which is fun. Yeah, <laughs> which is fun. Yeah, I don't actually. That do sounds. That. that sounds like a blast. <laughs> so yeah, it's fun. Very nice. All right, let's uh, pick up a couple of comments from last week's episode. That's the one where we were talking about the new Festool track saw with the scoring blade on it. Steven writes, I'm retired and have a complete shopsmith equipped shop that I've used for 42 years. I recently bought the Festool plunge track saw 55 with 55 inch and 119 inch tracks plus their dust extractor. extractor. I bought it for sheet goods and just love it. I watched all the 145 Festool Live podcast. The most two, excuse me, the two most recent podcasts demonstrate their CSC 50 table saw. Quite impressive. Oh, that was the uh, uh, table saw in a in a sustainer kind of looking thing. Uh, Sean writes, crotch goblins made me laugh out loud on the train and people looked at us. Thanks for the laugh. Uh, if people go back and watch that podcast, notice I did not react to that at all. Like, <laughs> normally, like I'd be cracking up at like the simplest thing and professionalism, folks. Yeah. That's, what, that's what it looks like. Yeah. Put it in the Louvre. Yeah. Uh, C.C. Swede writes, the track saw is useful in dealing with 6, 8, and 12 quarter hardwood. You can straighten the edge of a board before jointing. By the way, most sliding table saws have clamps to help keep the material secured to the table. You can make a jig for the table to do precise cuts like that. 
on a deluxe table saw. This post is nothing but a Festool ad. How much did they pay you? Okay, so that rose me the wrong way because I have not been able to get a single dollar of advertisement out of right. Festool. So they owe right. us. Way to rub it in. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's kind of yeah. I think it's kind of funny that it was nothing but a Festool ad. When you go back and listen through the whole podcast, there was lots of nonsense in there. So <laughs> As I usual. feel like yeah. yeah. I feel like that there is some kind of a nonsense company that owes us lots of money then if we're doing it that way. I just we're pointing out new tools and something that just kind of felt interesting. So just keep scrolling. (laughs) New Mexico Dan says, yep, you harass us shopsmithers and now festoolers. (laughs) LOL, I have two shopsmiths that and the latest project was to build a Charles Brock rocker. I also okay. have a Festool yeah. multifunction table. Bought it for $200. I wouldn't buy that table at the price they sell it for. <laughs> yeah, let's go down the list. We've upset Intarja people. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Festool, Shopsmith, uh, people that build with uh, Eastern Red Cedar. Mm-hmm. Asheville uh, Frenches. Look yeah. at you, Kevin Thomas. Yep. Yep. It's like, we just are here for the controversy. Yep. <laughs> I mean, it's the old adage, right? Any press is good press. Any buzz yeah. is good buzz. Yeah. Right. It's We're just a rage factory for, yep. for anybody else. Fueled there. by hate. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, I will say that Shop or Woodsmith and Popular Woodworking both accept advertising. Yep. And that complicates our relationship in how we talk about stuff. But for the most part, I would say that on the Shop Notes pod, we have sponsors for the podcast. That's mm-hmm. part of one of the reasons because, I mean, I like food with my meals. I don't know about <laughs> you guys. Yeah. Generally. But a careful listening of all of our podcasts will reveal that we have equal, equal opportunity scorn and praise for all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. We are not sponsored by raisins. That is for sure. (laughs) I am. John is not. You notice notice for lunch the other day, I went straight for the oatmeal raisin cookie because that's my jam. I'm glad you took it off the board before I found it. (laughs) And just cleared it away, just yeah, brushed just it. Get that out of right here. In the garbage, because mm. I don't want to accidentally bite into that. See, and I like dried fruits of all kinds. I do, I, I do too. Love it. Bring it on. I don't know. John has trust issues. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I just got a bad raisin one time. I've been into some raisin gristle or something. Just <laughs> all... ru- ruined all raisins for me. I don't know. You can't judge all raisins based on the actions of one. Yeah. John. yeah. Right. Maybe I need to revisit it. Yep. Give it another yep. shot. I came around with walnut, so. You know. Yeah. yeah. The, like See, there's the, room... the, the food or the, the material? The, the wood. The material. Okay. All right. Okay. That's fair. We appreciate and celebrate growth in all yep. of its many splendored forms here. Yep. All right. I like to haunt uh, used bookstores and mm-hmm. thrift shops, uh, partially because I know that 
it's where Logan finds all of his humongous old tools. So mm-hmm. that's right. But anyway, and we've been talking about Logan's dream workshop, which we're now seeing on the podcast for all of you people who are watching on the radio. Um, and I got to tour it not that long ago, and it's it's super fun to see that see tools in place there. Yep. Uh, for people watching on YouTube, just over Logan's right shoulder is like the control panel for his Vicmark. Yeah, there yep. it is. She's right there. Got the there's a old project in the back from oh yeah shop notes, shop notes tool cabinet yep and then there's the Kennedy cabinet right there mm-hmm. yep so also from shop notes yep. so we new got sh- like new shop vintage notes. yeah vintage shop notes and and new shop notes yep and the the big crescent is right here um, I could probably spin and get it in camera ignore the rest <laughs> of the dirty shop Ooh, there's a ladder. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Takes up the whole screen. Yeah. Sure does. So. Oh, oh God. Now this thing won't roll back. So. Yeah. We just ruined all of that video. There we go. Okay. We're back. Perfect. Excellent. Yeah. I've, I have been having a heck of a time trying to get paint for this Crescent bandsaw. Like, because this thing, it was, it it was new on pallet. I think I've said that before. Like it was never installed. Um, but over the, it's a 1955. So what is that? Like 70 years. So over the 70 years that it sat on the pallet and sat in warehouses, I don't know if the heating and cooling, the shifts in temperature, condensation, uh, some of the paint had started to flake off. Like there's not a single scratch on it. It's just all paint that's starting to peel. And I would almost guarantee it's a lead based paint. Right. Um, but I've I've taken off um, I took off the there's a square D control panel for the magnetic starter on it or magnetic on off switch I took that into Lowe's or Home Depot and had them paint match it like you know use their little spectrometer to to measure the color and give me an entire gallon of enamel paint because that's all they can mix up is an entire gallon it's too dark like it's oh, it not is? the right color yeah. So, Dang. but then I think I mentioned, I don't know if I mentioned on the podcast, you guys know, I, I bought some Delta stuff from a gentleman that was just, he was at the age he didn't want to woodwork anymore. So I bought a bunch of his Delta stuff, his Unison, and his jointer, the jointer, the DJ 20 jointer I bought is identical color to this. Is it really? It is wow. the, uh, the base, the base on it, the cast iron is not, but the sheet metal base on it. is identical color. So I'm like doing some research like, oh, what color did Delta use at 1991 for their bases for their jointers? And everyone's like, yeah, you're never going to find it because they used like 30 different colors. Um, It's like whatever they could buy at the time that was close is what they bought. And so it's like, I wonder if I maybe try to bring that in and have that color matched. I don't know. My wife's like, why don't you just repaint the whole thing? I'm like, do you see how many like nooks and crannies are on this? Like, yeah. you're like, be miserable. There's not a dip tank big enough. Nope. So, and I, you know, honestly, I don't. I, I've used a little. I bought, um, for all the let's let's really upset the harbor freighters. So I went to or the people that hate harbor freight. I went to harbor freight the other day and bought a surfacing tool. It's basically like a it's like a handheld drum sander that's horizontal. 
Okay. So it uses a big four inch drum that's, you know, I don't know, six inches long. And it's for conditioning services, like auto body and stuff. And I'm using it for the tables on a lot of my stuff um, to clean up the tables. But they also had a little wire, a nylon abrasive brush for the drill. Okay. So I bought that and started hitting some of the loose paint. And I don't mind it with like there's there's body filler underneath. So when when you do a big steel casting, it's almost impossible to get a casting this large. I mean, this is a thousand fifteen hundred pound casting that's six foot tall. You can't get that void free. Right. So a lot of the times, what they do is they come over top of the casting with body filler. Um, you know, think of a bondo. It wasn't bondo, but. Um, where I have started to brush away some of that flaking paint, it gets down to like this mustard yellow colored body filler. It kind of gives it like a, a grungy steampunk look and I don't really mind it. Yeah. Um, so if I can't get something the right color and I'll probably just brush off the, the flaking paint and let it, let it simmer. Let it be (laughs) until I decide I need to need to paint it. So, well, that was one of the questions that I had is how, because you have all of these old tools, I know you got the Powermatic planer kind of floating around back yep. there. I mean, are you going to try to, you know, because there are folk you'll see online where it's they find have the garage find or barn find of a old tool, and then they go just full resto, grand concours restoration on it, and it's all gleaming paint like it just came out of the factory like some of them yes like the the big joiner that needs enough work that yes but i think i let the tool dictate really how much it needs like what does it need to get running that joiner needed a lot of work to get going it still needs a lot of work to get going um so that one that will get painted it'll look brand new when i'm done with it um yeah this power matic so you guys heard my my little uh adventure to the auto body paint store, which was a way more expensive trip than I planned on. Um, and I was going to get gold paint to match this Powermatic. It happens to be a 77 Cadillac metallic gold. Um, you know, it looked like when I was looking at the planer originally, I'm like, Oh, there's a lot of rust on there. You know, I kind of want to touch up mainly just for photos. Like I don't care if it was personal shop stuff. I don't really care. Um, yeah. but for photos and stuff, you know, I kind of want to look a little bit, cleaner i don't mind seeing the wear on it um this side this side's not too bad the other side where the 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 planer has this uh gold and white band that goes all the way across the top sure um on the other side the infeed side it's wore off really bad it's down to the metal and right. I think that's because the um, Howard and the son Corey that had this before me, I think when they were passing boards through, they'd slide them back over that side and pull them off. I mean, it just oh. looks like that type of wear of, you know, right. thousands of boards pulled off that edge. Um, yeah. I don't mind seeing that. Um, and actually, a lot of what I thought was rust on here actually is like, I don't know if finish got spilled on it at some point or something. There's a lot of stuff that it's coming off. I bought a gallon of naphtha. Um and it's coming off of the naphtha. So, like, okay. it'll clean up pretty well with the naphtha. I'm not – I mean, yeah, I just wanted to look at the photos, but it's a shop. It's still a shop. Right. So, yeah, I, did, I mean, we – Yeah. I was going to say, because we kind of fight that battle here for photography for the magazines on what mm-hmm. – and even on video, like, what's the appropriate level of, you know, can a router bit that we're showing in in photos have some – 
chipped paint on it or, you know, kind of gunk build up on the cutting edges or, yeah, you know, before that becomes distracting or, you know, especially when you're zeroed in on it, because then it looks like you don't know how to take care of your tools. So why are we taking photos of yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's one of those things that ends up being, it, it's real life though. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, yeah, it, it, I get it. And when I started at Woodsmith, you know, we had, you know, back, actually back in your office, so there was a tool cabinet that had all the photo bits in it. So it's right. like when you needed a router bit for a, for an article, you grabbed it out of the cabinet back there. You walked it across the street into the photo studio and that's what you used. And then it went mm-hmm. right back into that cabinet. Yeah. And I get it. But at the same time, I'm like, it's not real life. Like mm-hmm. most, most of us are not cleaning our bits. Like they should, like we should, you know, yeah. we're not, we're not soaking our saw blades and cleaning the pitch off them until it causes a problem. Um, the same thing with, you know, we, we hear it all the time when people come visit our office and, and do tours. It's like, where's the sawdust? It's like, well, it's around. It's just, it happens to be a video studio. Um, and I think right now we are, we use the video studio more as a shop now than we ever have in the past. So, so, you know, now it's not, we don't hear that as much. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, I don't mind, especially every one of these, they all have stories. So, you know, I got, you know, this one from my buddy up in Wisconsin, Larry, I got that one from Howard, this crescent came from the rock island armory i mean they all have stories and the look and wear on them kind of tells the stories it's part of the story i guess yeah 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 i think people are more understanding when stuff looks used but well maintained rather than everything looks like it's just out of the shrink wrap and yes do you guys guys even woodwork because there's no dust there's no wear or anything and so we probably get more comments about that than than anything is that if it's too clean. Well, yeah. and you know, the other, the other side of it is, you know, with being, being at the magazine or managing magazines, like we do, we could have these shops, you know, whether it's my shop, the video studio, the photo studio, any of them, if we wanted them to be all powermatic, like I'm sure powermatic would send them to us if we asked, but that's not what we do. Like, and it kind of goes back to the whole festival comment. Like, there is you don't want to be an advertiser's pocket. We want to respect the relationships we have because that's how we can still produce these magazines. But um there is a separation of, you know, editorial and advertisers there. So, you know, I I always laugh when I see a, a vid or a photo of somebody's shop on the vintage woodworking site where it's like all green powermatic, all pristine green powermatic. And that's cool. If that's the machinery they love, like this guy I just bought this stuff from, he was a Delta guy, and that's cool. Um, I don't think most of us, I don't think most of us, are loyal to one brand and one brand mm-hmm. only. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. You know, in here I have Sawstop, Bailey, Powermatic, um, Vic Mark. I mean, I got a mixed mix of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like people that are into cars and they'll only own a Ford or only own a Chevrolet. But it's like, really, it's like, you know what? Toyota makes a good, you know, family car and Ford makes a good truck or, you know, so you mix and match between the tools of like, well, I want this brand of planer and I want this brand of table saw. And so it's, I mean, are you a fan of a certain brand or are you just looking for like, 
your favorite of each model of tool type thing. Yeah. Yeah. And a little bit of like what's what's available, yeah. you know, too, because I don't know. I mean, it, it's not living room furniture for pity's sake where you have to buy a whole suite no. of something or other. Yeah. Yeah. And usually you're not buying it all at the same. Like it's mm-hmm. kind of a growth. You're getting tools here and there as you go through the woodworking journey rather than buying a suite of tools all at once. Thank you to Tightbond. You want a glue that you can trust, and fortunately, Tightbond has the glue you need to get the job done with confidence. From interior glues with strong initial tack and short clamp time, to exterior glues with exceptional strength and water resistance, look to Tightbond, the right glue for your next project. For more information, visit tightbond.com. No, it's like, I. so I'm on the, I just looked over my shoulder. I was very particular when I set up. Right there, I don't have the top trim done. Right there, I do. Oh, so it's like that. I was I was very particular when when I set up my camera. Like we showed the corner of the shop that has all the trim done, and then I swung in. <laughs> There's no trim right there. Oh, I got more dang. alder in. I'm on yeah. what board feet. I did 300, 200, 200. So I'm that's 700, 700 board feet that I'm into this. So I just ordered the 800th board feet. So nice. The, which and which is like, funny. The math doesn't check out. Yeah, because I remember when you ordered the first lot, you're like, if I have blah blah blah, then like this number of board sheets should be board feet should be fine, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah, that seems right. And then well, you've since like tripled that. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I was doing the calculations. I'm like, am, am I getting shorted from Liberty? Like, because <laughs> like. <laughs> Like I, I've had very little waste. Like it's actually been really cool because it's like all of the waste that I've had. Now some of it gets planed off, but I'm, I mean, it's the thickness. It's one inch thick, so it's not that big a deal. Um, taking everything into account, into account, all my offcuts have been between. On every board, my offcuts have been between a quarter of an inch and a half of an inch. So like, there's not much. It's all. Of all 700 board feet, they're all in a trash can. Like, they're all in a steel <laughs> trash can standing up. So there's not much waste there. And they're 10-foot-long yeah. boards, 120 inches, and my my wall is 40 inches tall. So I've been lopping them into three sections of 40 inches. So there's no offcuts on the ends. So I'm like, how? Like, I've I've added it all up, and I'm like, that first order that I did should have been plenty to do my, my wall paneling, and I've ordered twice since then. So yeah. now they are a straight line ripping for me, but I can't imagine they're taking that much off. Yeah. So, hmm. Yeah. Anyways, it's a mystery. Christmas gifts. Christmas gifts. So for people who are just checking in or missed the episode where I talked about it, um, and I get to talk about it this year because the gifts that I'm making are for nieces and nephews that don't listen to this podcast and wouldn't. So if their parents hear it, then the surprise is ruined. But anyway, so the theme is I'm making gifts for my nieces and nephews on my wife's side of the family. And I'm doing uh, like bookshelf boxes. That's, I guess, the best way to do it. And the one that I have closest to being done here is one for my nephew who's really into minecraft so i have i'll put a photo of it on the show notes page 
But since it's a bookshelf box, primarily the view is from the front. And I did a, kind of a marquetry pattern with uh, Shopson mahogany veneer into little squares to give it that Minecraft kind of pixelated look. And then the... Logan, you did Minecraft. What were the boxes called? Like the, I keep thinking like crafting table and it's like crafting table. Nope. Crafting table. I have no idea. Nope. My, okay. my boys do Minecraft. I have yeah. no idea. I can just tell you a single thing about Minecraft. Yeah. Kind of like little treasure boxes or whatever that they keep all yeah. of their like gear loot in. crates or something, something like that. Yeah. yeah. So then I did the oh. framing or the trim work on it with little inlaid strips of Wenge that I had as... It's one of those things where it's like I have little pieces of Wenge that are too small for anything, but it's Wenge and you just don't want to throw them away or burn them. So I found a use for them in the in the trim there. So really all I have left on that is just cleaning up the fit of the lid to the box and then doing the hinge. And then I need to come up with a better way to register the lid on the box so that it stays lined up. But otherwise, I think it's in good shape. My next nice. one is going to be a, a bookshelf box that is reminiscent or an interpretation of number 12 Grimald Place from Harry Potter. The, the house the home of the ancient and noble house of black. So that one will be kind of fun. Did, I'm excited speaking for of which, did you see, I'm, I'm sure you've seen it. Have you seen Critch, Chris, Chris Fitch's, Critch's, Critch's uh, little things he's doing? Um, yes. The little the, houses. Those are the coolest thing I've ever seen come out of his head. <laughs> like, that's saying something. That's saying something. So, now I'm going to show my nerd side. I'm going to flash my 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 nerd side real quick. I used to be really in when I was in middle school and high school. I used to be really into like um, this was when Lord of the Rings came out. Okay. Okay. Um, I was well, I was probably elementary middle school when Lord of the Rings came out, and a company called Games Workshop. Okay. They they are the ones that produce the tabletop war game Warhammer Warhammer 40k. They do a lot of those type of tabletop war games where you have a big terrain set up and you know you have these little miniature armies and they battle and whatever it sounds super nerdy as i say this out loud um but this is a therapy session so uh they also released the lord of the rings one so i got really into those during uh like middle school not in definitely not into high school at all because that's no. be way too nerdy for no, high school be, yeah <laughs> But I'm like, you know how cool that would be to like make a little like Minas Tirith out of that, or like do a Diagon Alley type thing. Because I mean, I did a lot of that type of diorama type work. Like I had a lot of you know terrain molds that you'd mix plaster up and pour them in, and you make little rock facades and stuff like that. Um, yeah, kind of like the model train or hobby train type people. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I looked at that. I'm like, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen him do. I would have a CNC for no other reason except to make those. <laughs> and, and okay, so here's the other side of that. That would be a great product to sell, like on an Etsy store or something. Mm -hmm. And the nerds got the money, man. Mm -hmm. They're the ones in IT. They're running the world. So, 
I'll put on. a link to Chris's CNC base camp episode where he's been working on. He did a what Logan's talking about is he did a birdhouse that looks like a like a London three flat kind of townhome, and so he used the CNC to create a incised pattern of brickwork going up the front and then wrapping around the sides mm -hmm. of this uh, birdhouse. And then he also did some other textured work where one of them looks like, I don't know, how would you describe that? Like textured stone, like the yeah. like a rusticated stone facade. And then yep. another one is like stacked stone or like a, like a flagstone pathway or something mm -hmm. like that. And it's, it's, it's amazing and ridiculous all at the same time. Well, and let's just point out his painting skills as well, because like the yes. windows have shading on them and they look like little panes of glass. I'm like, I, Chris, I hate you. Like, well, and he's even the brickwork, the grout or the mortar lines between the brick are yeah. one color and, and it's not the background color of the substrate. And then mm -hmm. the top or the facade of the brick is a brick red color, but it's not just a plain brick red color. It's like a, two Oh no, it's like dry brushed and everything. So yeah. there's gradients and it looks like a brick. Like, yeah. So he had actually a couple of spoil pieces from when he was working on the, the brick, just sometimes a CNC will get out of register and just, have kind of a brain fart or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to use one of his spoil pieces for the facade of my Grimald place. Cool. Book, bookshelf box. And then I'm going to have that facade slide on grooves to the left or right to be able to get to the inside of the box. So I think that'll be kind of fun. Like a little T-track grooves or... T-slots? Uh, I'm thinking I'm just going to do like a tongue and dado because like the like the top of the building would have like an overhanging cornice okay. and I'll just have like and a I'll groove in, in that and then a tongue on the facade that it'll slide in. That's kind of how I'm that's how I'm picturing it in my head right now. Okay. Maybe I'll have something next week or week after to be able to show off to folk on that. So. Oh, so where I was going to earlier is I was at a bookstore. I'm trying to remember where I came across it, but I found this book, mm -hmm. Workshops You Can Build by oh. David and Jeannie Stiles. Now you find that book after I'm done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I know David's written a bajillion other kind of home improvement-y, woodworking kind of books. He's got a really cool drawing style, kind of reminds me of Alden Watson, who did a bunch of woodworking books like in the middle part of the century. He did one like country woodworking or hand tools mm -hmm. or something like that. And he has one in here that if I were this, I've we've talked about it in the past of a dream workshop. And I've talked about how I'm trying to be content with my back of the wood, back of the garage workshop. But he's got this. I'll put some photos on the show notes page. He's got this one. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a timber framed looking thing with the clerestory windows way at the top. Shed looking something or other. 
And I think what's really cool about it is that the main part of the shop building, it's 14 by 18. Okay. So a little, I would call that smaller than a two car garage. Yep. Right. For sure. And it has a separate room off of one side where he has it just as a lumber rack. It's like 30 inches wide, runs the 18 foot length of the building with kind of doors at both ends, just as a separate lumber storage thing. So, and then he'll do like the little plant floor plan views and stuff like that. That would be my dream shop. I found it. Okay. Don't, it wouldn't fit in my suburban backyard right now, but you know, garage has to come out. Right. (laughs) Or my little dumb shed. Yes. So if I got rid of the shed and maple, ah, the maple tree's gone now. Yeah, maple tree's gone, and the trampoline that the kids don't mm-hmm. use anymore. Mm-hmm. I could have room for it there, mm-hmm. but then that opens up a whole can of worms of power and. Mm-hmm. Just make your garage longer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, keep stretching it back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway. It was just kind of funny flipping through that book. I was going to pick it up anyway just for kind of basic woodworking research for articles for shop notes and woodsmith and stuff like that. And then I flipped and I found that particular shop drawing, and it's like, that's it. What? So that's 252 square feet. What tools would you have in there then? Uh, would you kind of stick with your same setup you have? Would you I would kind of stick with my same setup and just have a little bit more space. Okay. I don't know what I would do to add. You wouldn't put a table saw back in? I wouldn't. Would you Very... get a bigger bandsaw maybe? Uh, I've, I've always thought that I wanted a larger bandsaw. Mm-hmm. But because you see people online or co-workers that get these gigantic bandsaws and they're super cool and I would think about it but I don't know that I want to deal with some kind of three phase dilithium crystal conversion something mm-hmm. or other that needs to happen um, but I mean you could go to an 18 right you know and like, like uh, the... who was the company that kind of preceded Delta or that Delta bought out and they had like a 16 inch saw Mm. boy that like Rockwell no it wasn't because it was like Delta Rockwell but it was when I think of it I'll put it in the show notes page but they always had like a 16 inch saw that I thought would be like a really sweet one and so it's a little bit bigger comes with kind of a natural naturally more resaw capacity on it but i've found that that delta that i have is a fantastic saw and i yeah, so i don't really have i don't really have a reason to get rid of it um we've had one in our shop here for a while now is the jointer planer and i kind of like that yeah combination of a tool yeah yeah i if i did not have the big jointer or this powermatic planer, I would strongly consider buying a hammer. Right. Um, like the A31 or the, yeah. they have like an A45 or something like that. Um, because 
it's one small footprint. Even, I mean, even though I have the space, it's it's getting eaten up real quick. <laughs> uh, it would sure be nice to have that all in one footprint. Right. Um, and they work pretty freaking well. Like, they give you, I mean, you're getting a big planer. And, yeah. And it makes sense. You're getting a you're getting a jointer and a planer that are the same size. So it's like those two tools yeah. in harmony. You know, that's kind of, generally you're stuck with a planer that's bigger than a jointer. Right. So yeah. You know, like it's it's not like the Rikon that we have in the on the video set is not as long as a traditional jointer. But I've Correct. jointed some pretty long pieces on there. As have I. Yeah. Yep. And it's not. It's not as difficult, no. As I, as you would think, or as as traditional jointer folk would say, mm-hmm. is reasonable. It's. I don't feel like it's been that difficult to do. So yeah, I think the the longest jointer that we have, the longest jointer that I've used actually, is the DJ twenty, the one that Mark has, the Delta. It's happens yeah. to be the same one I just bought and moved into my shop, um, and they have. A little bit over a six foot long bed in total, right? Um, most of them, though, like thinking about our old um, Canadian made General, yep, the Powermatic, they're all under that. Um, you know, the the General now seems like a little Fisher Price jointer. I mean, it's it's still an eight <laughs> inch, but the bed's only like four and a half foot long. Like it's not real long at all. So. Yeah. Not that you, not that you need it, and edge jointing boards is a fairly straightforward and fairly easy task. Um, it's the flatting faces that becomes an issue. Yeah. Yep. So that would be about it. I don't know. I, I go back and forth. You know, I've shared my woes on the podcast before of like having a like a dedicated slot mortiser would be kind of cool, but then mm-hmm. it's like at that price, do you just get a not sponsored domino and be yeah. and you know just deal with it and have yeah. it as a portable tool yeah or panther router or yeah something I mean, along that, those lines yeah that, yeah that takes up a, a pretty good footprint um what about a full-size router table because i know you're working on a small one for yourself i know you have a compact one yeah i have the compact one and i'm working on a what I would call a, more of a full-size router table now that i still plan to put in my workshop but yeah mm-hmm. i would it would be nice to have some of those tools a little bit more spread out because in a smaller shop, you are definitely really cognizant of overlapping work zones. Yep. You know, like what's the outfeed of my bandsaw? Is that going to clear, you know, this shelf behind it or dust collector on the opposite side and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. That, but I think that would be about about it i'm sure that like you've discovered you have a larger space so you feel like you have more opportunity for something even though you don't necessarily know what it is until it happens well and it's when you have it you use it right in general like i mean dole edge is the more money you make the more money you spend the more space you have in your shop the more of your shop you fill up you know so you know i'm kind of getting to that point do you have a drill press in your shop I do, yeah. I have an old uh, Delta. Oh, you do. I remember that now. Um, yeah. Okay. So you keep that in there. Yep. Um, I, I feel like that's probably my next tool that I will upgrade. Is, okay. 
I have you guys saw the boat anchor that I have in the <laughs> in the storage area. I have a old it's actually a machinist drill press ran yeah. off of a, a jack shaft. Um it has a motor on it, but it's it's one of the camelback style or uh uh camel hump style type ones and it needs a lot of work and that's not something I'm gonna tackle anytime soon. It was it was by this planer get that for free basically. Yeah. Um and I have a Delta I have one of our Delta drill presses, I think, from the photo studio. Um, okay. And she's been used pretty hard. Um, yeah. And I really like the I really like the style of speed adjustment that the Powermatics and our Rikon has, where it's it's a uh, it's a Reeves drive more or less, um, where yeah. you move a lever as it's running and it increases or decreases the pulley size to speed it up or slow it down. Um, so I really like that, that idea of getting one of yeah. those. Um, although if I found a sweet deal on a good shaped radial arm drill press, I'd, I'd be hard pressed to not get it. Okay. So that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I do like the one that I have isn't a bad drill press. The return, the return spring is busted on that Delta. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of tough. There's no crank for the table. Mm-hmm. which is can be a pain because you just end up sort of dealing instead of adjusting the table height. Um, and yeah, I having the having the variable speed as a lever or a wheel or what, however you want to do it is much better than pinching your fingers in pulleys. I'm less apt to change the speed on the pulleys. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... Mm. 3,000 RPM on a three-inch Forstner bit, that means it's That'll a That'll probably work. Hole. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You got to cauterize yep. it. Yep, that's right. So, anyway, that was just kind of fun to see. I, it's fun to daydream sometimes. Yeah. Well, I mean, we can take that shed out real quick, though. <laughs> <laughs> I got a flatbed and a, tra- and a tractor. We can just mm-hmm. pick it up. So yeah. 200 and would you, I mean, I, I would assume that you would concrete that then if you, if theoretically, if you would build it in your backyard, you would concrete, concrete the base, right? Probably. Cause I would like to, you know, like the shed that's back there's just a garden tool shed kind of thing. And yep. the, the ideal thing would be is having it conditioned enough to be comfortable to work in. And I think just a framed up floor floating over gravel is going to be super cold in winter. Even if I were to insulate between joists down there. So, you know, like you did on yours where you have insulation below the slab. Yeah. Yeah. And that does make a big difference. And it was even, even this winter without having insulation in this half of the shop, but I do have insulation under this slab there was a noticeable difference in the concrete. Don't get me wrong, you know, zero degree concrete isn't a whole lot different than 10 degree concrete, (laughs) but there is a noticeable difference. Yeah. So. So, yeah. I also like that that shop has like two big double doors on the ends to be able to open up and have uh, airflow on the nice, you know, Mm -hmm. the pleasant days or even just a, even if it's, borderline cool or warm, like being able to have sunlight. Yeah. In. Yep. 
the uh, I, I like the fact that it has those windows up along the top ridge. Um, right. The um, Eureka Springs School of the Arts down in uh, Eureka, Eureka Springs, Arkansas, which is where Doug Stowe teaches. Yeah. Um, and where I've done to uh, travel down to do photos with him. They have that same thing along their their ridge line. Um, they have butterfly wing roofs on that um, on that building. Um, it's building. It's Essa's building six is the name of the building. Um, but uh, it's really nice. You walk in there in the morning. There's just this beautiful raking sunlight coming through those windows. And and of course, every time I've been down there, it's been the fall, so it's all been you know beautiful and the leaves are all changed and stuff. So. Um, I do like those. And I wish, uh, I think Frank uh, Howarth um, has the same style of windows in his shop. Could be. Yeah. Um, and I just always liked that style. I just wasn't feasibly able to do that here. Yeah. My brother um, had a shop space from a friend of his when he was living in Kansas City years ago. And it was kind of a similar sort of thing. And it just, that style kind of reminds me of some of the farm outbuildings, you know, yes. that you would see on an old, old school farm. So mm-hmm. there's probably, there definitely is a nostalgia element to it. And so there you go. I think that's all I got so for we today. We know what we're doing next spring. We're <laughs> I can start cutting two by fours right now. <laughs> We've had like in the past we had shed and small garage, you know, projects in the magazine. I mean, we could we could shoehorn it in, I think. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. I mean I'm game for it, but all right. All right. Yes. <laughs> on the calendar. All right. In other news, we had the last few days, the folk from Tight Bond in as we were doing some videos for them talking about their different glues. Uh, their big three are Tight Bond Original, Tight Bond 2, and Tight Bond 3, which all have special places in our hearts. Um, if you've watched the TV show, you've seen Chris Fitch uh, adore his bottle of Tight Bond Original. And. Uh, Logan and I have waxed poetically about their hide glue. Mark Hopkins here in the shop with an English accent um, <laughs> speaks longingly of speed set. And uh, John, I don't know that you have a favorite, do you? Yeah. It's like having Whatever's a favorite closest. child. Yeah. Yeah. They're, like they're the, all his I like favorite. The, I like the, the three, the trace. Yeah. You know, yeah. the three cool. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we had it was fun to have them in here. They're sponsoring the podcast as well as the TV show. And that is a fun sponsorship because I think we've all used their glues since we've picked up glue bottles and given up our Elmer school glue from school projects. So thank you to Tight Bond. If you're interested in their glues and all the different iterations that they have, you want to check it out at tightbond.com questions comments and smart remarks i want to hear about it and you can send those to woodsmith at woodsmith.com or do all the bell ringing subscribing high-fiving whatever that needs to happen on youtube and you can leave a comment there as well thanks everybody we'll see you next week on the shop notes podcast bye